Hey, my name is Rachel, and you're listening to Maker Style, a creative lifestyle podcast where we talk about blogging, small business, and of course, lots and lots of sewing. Listening to Maker Style is like sitting down for a coffee and chat with your BFFs who are just as passionate about making things as you are. Hello everyone. Hope you guys are all having a beautiful day today. My name is Rachel and I'm very, very excited to have you listening into today's show. Today we're going to be talking with Michelle from the blog Win Michelle all about how she has gone back to fashion school to pursue a second career as a pattern maker. And Gosh, I was just so interested in having Michelle on the show as a guest because I've been loving following her experience going back to school on Instagram stories and kind of learning a little bit through what she's learning. So Michelle, uh, like I mentioned, had gone back to school for pattern design and we talk a little bit about what she's learned throughout the process, some of the biggest things that were different that kind of she wasn't expecting and also some advice that she has for anyone who either wants to learn a little bit more about pattern drafting or going back to school and kind of chasing your dreams and pursuing a second career. Gosh, this episode is full of all the good stuff. So without further ado, let's hop into the episode and hear what Michelle has to say because I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Hey friends, just wanted to give a quick little announcement. If you are listening to this episode when it comes out, you might notice that it's a couple days later than the usual Sunday night upload schedule. Um, I've just got a lot of stuff going on right now. We're moving to a new city. I just started a new job as of yesterday. And uh, yeah, life is life is happening around these parts. So for about the next month or so, you might notice that the episodes of the podcast might come out Monday or Tuesday evening instead of Sunday night like they usually do. But don't worry, uh, the 10 episode series is not going anywhere. Just with everything that's going on right now, I need a little bit more time to uh, to get my stuff in gear for the week's podcast. Thank you guys for your patience, and uh, I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. It's truly such a good one. So let's dive in. Hey, Michelle, how are you doing today? Hi, Rachel. How are you? Gosh, I'm so good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate you being here for chatting. No, I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, Michelle, do you mind telling the listeners just a little bit about who you are and kind of what your sewing story is? Yeah. So I'm Michelle. Hey, everybody. And I am from Arizona in the United States. I am 35 years old. I'm a wife and a mom of two little ones. And basically, I have been sewing probably since I was around, I want to say nine years old. I'm not really 100% sure around what age it started. But I just remember as like a little kid using the sewing machine at home for crafts. And then it evolved into taking home ed class, learning a little bit more about that. And then throughout my 20s and even my teens, I would use the sewing machine to sew up crafts or do alterations on my clothes. Um, And then it wasn't until recently, probably about four years ago, that I actually started to sew garments for myself. And from there, um, I was actually thinking of... Um, deciding to venture up a little bit more outside of just sewing and go into pattern making. Nice. Now, before we get into talking about pattern making, I'd love to know a little bit about what kind of made you make that transition from sewing primarily for, you know, DIYs and crafts and, you know, little alterations to 
you know, sewing full garments and working on a wardrobe? So when I was actually, I, so I worked in, in the dental field for quite some time around like 12 years. Um, I went through a little bit of a moment where I stopped my all, all of my creativity activities, you know, like, um, painting, sketching, sewing, DIYs, mm-hmm. craft stuff. I stopped it because I went through a little bit of infertility. And then when I had children, uh, one of my youngest had some medical condition that basically I had to put all stops on. Yeah. And then once everything subsided, I just had this big, huge urge to create again. And I remember sewing up something for the kids and then started to find YouTube channels that show people creating garments for themselves. And that really inspired me to give it a try. That's amazing. And how long did you say that you've been sewing garments since? Uh, four. Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so after four years of sewing garments for yourself, you made recently a pretty big decision to go back to school. Yes. So while I was sewing garments, I actually started to see um, little, you know, tidbits here and there of people doing like pattern hackings or, you know, creating slopers. And then that got me curious. Um, I started to look into that. I even purchased a used uh, pattern, pattern making book for myself and taught myself how to basically do draft basic patterns mm-hmm. um then I started to realize that there were more questions coming up and that I couldn't be I couldn't google or find the answers to mm-hmm. um so I decided I wanted to take some pattern making classes the only thing was that when I was searching online to find some pattern making classes around my area um, I wasn't able to find any but the one thing that did pop up was that there was a fashion program at my local college nearby. And I was really curious, so I called them. And it happened to be the same college I went to in my early 20s. Oh, no way. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, this is perfect. You know, I'll just take a few classes here and there and then end up finding out that they actually have a whole program for um, obtaining a certificate in pattern making. Wow. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So how, how long would it take you doing courses on kind of a part-time basis to complete? Are you doing courses part-time? Yes, part-time. Okay. Um, whatever I can afford to do for that semester, basically. Yeah. But around two years. It should take around two years. There's a few classes um, that are outside of pattern making, like um, grading and construction that are necessary to obtain the certificate. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. So you mentioned that part of the certificate is, you know, grading and uh, you just mentioned one other thing that totally just left my brain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, construction. Construction. Yes. My apologies, guys. Um, but do you mind telling me and the listeners is a little bit about what other classes are kind of involved in the certificate and what else is kind of on the curriculum? Yeah. So when I inquired about that, I saw that they had a whole fashion department, um, fashion program in the school. And they have classes that vary from the industry, textiles, and pattern making, and clothing constructions, and tailoring, you name it. But specifically for pattern making, um, they have two levels of um, flat pattern making, 
uh, two levels of draping. Um, you do have to take a grading course. Um, also a, like a CAD level type of um, program where you're able to make digital patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basic clothing construction, um, tailoring, and I believe there's maybe one more that I'm not 100% sure on. I couldn't tell you off of my head. That's okay. This isn't a pop quiz. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what classes have you taken so far then? So, so far I've only taken uh, pattern making one and uh, draping one. So, and this I just so finished cool. that. Yeah. And this next fall, I'm going to be taking uh, pattern making two, advanced pattern making. And I'm really excited about that one. Yeah, um, I'm just, I'm so excited to pick your brain on this because like I'd mentioned before when we were just talking before the episode and we started recording, I, before starting my degree that I just finished, I seriously considered going to school for fashion. And although I'm happy I took the path I did, there's always been a big part of me that's wondering, you know, what is that life like on the other side? Right, um, that's, so- yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the same question I had when I started to sew up garments. I remember going on YouTube to figure out how to sew in an invisible zipper let's say for example yes and um it it was really hard to get certain answers to questions I was starting to ask and I couldn't get the help that I needed so um definitely going to school right now has opened my eyes to that what were some of those big questions that you felt like you just couldn't figure out the answers to on your own well you know what the biggest surprise was I thought I knew enough of sewing um, (laughs) and how to do things. And it wasn't until school that I realized that there was a whole lot that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And one of the examples was like um, seam allowances. What, what are the standard seam allowances used in the industry? And being a, you know, a hobby stitcher, I was used to the big four patterns where they were used uh, five eight seam allowances, right? Mm-hmm. But in the industry, they use a lot smaller seam allowances. So, for example, wovens, um, you could use anywhere from a quarter inch to a half an inch. And then if you're using a knit, it's used, you're using a three-eighths of an inch seam allowance. Wow. Um, and there's a reasons why, you know. And that's another thing that sparked my curiosity is like, okay, why is it that the industry is doing it this way? Um, There has to be a reason, because I remember going to school and they said, no, you have to do it this way. And I would would question it, like, well, why? And finding out the answer why was a big light bulb moment. Um, Yeah. There's a reason for everything. (laughs) In the case of the seam allowances, is the reason for the smaller seam allowances just to keep production streamlined? Yeah, and basically there's no trimming. I mean, they want to reduce the amount of steps um, needed to construct a garment because each step costs money. So, you know, the less steps that you can do, the more money they save, you know. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely not a way that we home sewists approach a project. So it's it's really quite a different way of thinking. Right. And so, for example, to um, pins, you know, in the industry, they don't use pins to sew things together like ever. so right and what? so you know if you'll see the sample maker just be able to she or he or she is able to put the garments together without pins and have it flow through the machine with no problem so and that's another thing that I learned um 
that was eye-opening because this whole time I thought, oh, they use pins. Of course, everybody uses pins, right? So. Yeah, you have to use pins. <laughs> if you're not pinning something, you must be being lazy and, like, right. inaccurate. Or even, like, the seam allowances, you know, how we usually trim down our seam allowances. Um, mm-hmm. No, there's no trimming down. It's it's that. So, so now that you've kind of, for the seam allowances in particular, you started using some of those those approaches to sewing at school. Do you find that even when you sew as a hobby – do you find yourself when you're making patterns using those smaller seam allowances now just because that's kind of a habit? Yes. So this is another thing that I touched up on before on Instagram that school is really strict on how you make your patterns. They, they dock you for every single little thing. If you miss (laughs) a notch, if you are off by a little bit and you get into such a habit that it becomes a natural thing for you to do. So I find myself that every single time that I make a pattern. I'm, I use a smaller seam allowance. Um, mm-hmm. I gravitate towards patterns that have a smaller seam allowance. Um, and I, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Now, so far you've said you've taken like flat pattern making one you'd said and draping one. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Now you'd said before that some basic stuff using a book kind of at your own pace. Do you mind sharing what book that was? Yeah. So the first book that I have was by, um, let me take a look here, uh, Sylvia Rosen. Mm-hmm. And it's called Pattern Making a Comprehensive Reference for Fashion Design. And I just picked it randomly offline um, because that seemed the most appealing. And mm-hmm. it ends up being a very fairly easy thing to um, read and to actually make patterns from. Um, there was just some things that were popping up that I had questions to, like, I could not confidently look at an an inspiration or look at a picture and be able to make a pattern for that look. And then, um, you know, I would get stuck on the ease or how to create a certain look and why is it done that way? I couldn't find those answers. Um, and it wasn't until school that I was able to understand why i'm so like selfishly glad that you brought up the question about ease because mm-hmm. for me as someone who's tried to learn how to draft patterns on the size that's something that i'm always kind of having questions about like what is the right way to add ease to a sloper i understand how to take the measurements and and create that really tight fitting bodice block but i don't know how to add ease and i haven't really found a comprehensive book that really shares how to do that Right. So, you know, um, on that specific book that I just mentioned, they do talk about wearing ease. And that's pretty much the only thing they really talk about is wearing Mm -hmm. ease. And, you know, wearing ease is the minimal amount of ease needed in order for you to be able to move in a garment. And um, that was the question I had. And it wasn't until school that I realized that there's different ways of incorporating ease to a garment, you know, by either releasing some of the um, darts, the ease that is taken up by the darts, um, adding it physically, adding it to the pattern. And it was an aha moment of like, Oh, so that's the way they do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also using that knowledge, I use that knowledge to help fit existing patterns that I'm working on. Um, 
and be able to understand, okay, well, how, what's the best way to pick a size when I'm working off of an existing pattern? Because you understand kind of the way that the designer at the time was approaching the ease in particular and being able to compare that maybe to the, the finished measurements of the garment a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. Inform, in a, a little and- bit more of an informed way. Exactly. And now I'm having a little bit better understanding of how, you know, the size, the size chart and finished measurement charts work, you know, it's, it's starting to Mm -hmm. click now. Amazing. Um, So between the two classes that you've taken so far, the flat pattern, it's flat pattern making, I've asked you that twice now, but that's the, is the name of the course, correct? Yes. Yes. And then draping one. Can you tell the listeners and I just a little bit about the differences between those two courses, what kind of your experience was in each of those, and maybe what you kind of felt about them overall? So the flat pattern making, it basically tells you, in class, we learn the basics of pattern making. It's basically like pattern 101, you know, Mm -hmm. and we create a sloper for ourselves, and we go each week we learned a different basic style to make a pattern for. And during that process, the instructor is critiquing the way the pattern should look like, um, the way it should flow. And basically if we've done it correctly to up to their standards and um, the draping class, it was really different. I must say I Mm -hmm. was very surprised on the things that I learned in draping and how important they are. So before school, I thought, okay, draping, like, I don't see really the big deal of draping. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until I actually took draping class that I realized that you do need to know at least how to drape in order to be a little bit more efficient in pattern making. Um, The reason why is because you learn about grain behavior. Mm -hmm. Each grain line has a completely different behavior and you know exactly the way you could utilize your pattern to get the design that you want Um, also certain styles can be achieved faster by draping a pattern Mm -hmm. and I learned that recently when I wanted to create a look and it was like this faux wrap jumpsuit and the look of the faux wrap was a little bit confusing to me. Like, I'm like thinking, I don't know how I would be able to transform a sloper into that, you know? Mm -hmm. And the only way I could think about that would help me was to drape. And it did. I was able to create that look within, you know, 10 minutes of draping. um, Wow. When, when I think it would have taken me a lot longer if I did it on a flat flat pattern. That's interesting. So would you, would you say that one class, has taught you more than the other or are they both kind of equally valuable in their own right? Equally valuable. I think that if you want to be a very good successful pattern maker, you definitely have to try out both of these classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely learned a lot and I can't believe I thought differently um, <laughs> about draping before. Yeah. I'm yeah. so glad I took it. And I think for it was interesting for me to hear your perspective on that because whenever I've thought about draping, I automatically think of, you know, making a very fancy like couture gown, like right. if you guys are familiar with Nick uh, Veravos' YouTube channel, you know, right. he creates some pretty amazing gowns that he drapes. 
And, you know, that's so inspirational and so great, but man, I'm not using those skills in everyday sewing <laughs> or so I think. Right. And I think you, you would kind of prove me wrong there that, you know, even the casual wrap jumpsuit that you would wear day to day can be achieved through draping and it's probably a much more efficient way of doing well, it. Well, not only that, but I also recently um, was telling my viewers that like you can actually, draping can actually bridge the between a flat pattern and the final garment. Because I think a lot of the sewists have a hard time visually seeing that flat pattern in as a three-dimensional object. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recently did a blog post where I talked about where to measure on a pattern for certain fit points. And mm-hmm. I said that, you know, when in doubt, just drape that pattern on you or on your form and you'll be able to see exactly where like the bicep falls on the sleeve or where the bust line falls on the bodice. Um, Mm -hmm. You'll be able to take note of that. Yeah, I saw that post and I thought that was really interesting and such like a common sense way of just approaching sewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that, um, I think too, um, I really love sharing the knowledge that I had, that I gained from school and, you know, sharing it with everybody else, because I think there is a lot of secrecy kind of in, in the industry where people really don't talk about what goes on, you know, behind the scenes. And I think more and more people are getting curious, like, okay, well, how does the fashion industry, how do they do it? Mm-hmm. And how can I, you know, be a little bit better at my sewing yeah um we've talked a lot about some some things that have been eye-opening for you but is there other things that kind of come to mind that you would think of like you know these are some really key pieces of information that I've learned that I like to pass along on my channels that you could share on the show today yeah so one of the things is um green line behavior um tell me more so since each green line behaves differently following your pattern makers green line is in my opinion, really important. Mm -hmm. And I showed an example on my um, blog post where I folded a piece of fabric in each direction and you could see the volume difference between each of the pieces. Mm -hmm. And it's because one was folded on the straight of grain and the other one was folded on the cross grain. And um, I think that if we can try to follow the patterns green line as best as possible, um, because they're basically telling you to that this is the ideal way to create that look that you're going for. Mm-hmm. And just for listeners who are listening at home but are still kind of beginning their sewing journey, um, do you mind just explaining what the straight of grain and cross grain is? Yeah, so the straight of grain is um, the grain, it's basically the the grain that falls along the selvage, and mm. the cross of grain is the grain that falls perpendicular to the selvage. On that cut edge. Right. And then also the bias, and there's a difference between bias and true bias, which I think that not many, too many people know the difference no, between that. tell me more. Oh my gosh, So, so the true bias means that it falls exactly on the 45 degree angle and bias means anything that is on the diagonal. So basically anything that's not on the cross grain or straight grain. So if you maybe accidentally cut something slightly askew because you're not paying attention, 
mm-hmm. technically maybe on the bias, but definitely not on the true bias. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. That was a really great tip. And, you know, not something that I considered in depth. Like, I, I'm going to be honest, if I could say something without a whole lot of criticism, sometimes <laughs> I definitely do cheat the grain lines if I really am trying to squeeze out a pattern on a smaller piece of fabric. Exactly. Switching. Yeah, and it's such I- a bad habit. Well, I do it too. I mean, but I think okay, it's also, that. <laughs> yeah, I just think people need to like kid, know that, you know, pay attention to the fabric that they're working on, um, mm. test it out, see if there is a difference. Because even with wovens, um, if you test out your woven fabric, you could see that there's a difference in the grain lines. And are you, if you do decide to, let's say, put a pattern piece that's supposed to be meant to be put on the straighted grain, um, before you put it on the cross grain, check it and see, are you going to be okay with that? Yeah. Um, I like that dose of realism. It makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> and then too, also, I just, um, I, I, even though there are certain things that I, I share online in regards to what I learned in sewing, I tend to fib a little bit as far as like, I don't really always <laughs> follow every single rule. And I give yeah. an example for once. I remember submitting my final um, assignment where we had to create a pattern, you know, and sew it up and then turn it in. And the teacher said that I needed to make sure to open up the seam allowances on the side seams um, that they're supposed to be open. Well, like to be on, exactly. And to be honest, I don't always do that. You know, I, <laughs> I get a little lazy and I don't always do that. And like, yeah. And I mean, you live in Arizona where sometimes it's really hot to put the iron on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, so, that's mean, often what the deciding factor is. Right. Um, but little yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just something I'd love to pick your brain on for the grain line discussion. Um, this might not be a super informed opinion, but I've found sometimes that for depending on the type of garment I'm making, that influences how I can if it's acceptable for me to cheat the grain line or not, like if I'm making a pair mm-hmm. of pants, I try really hard to make sure things are as straight as straight can be. Like I'm following the instructions to a T. Um, Cause I find otherwise I'm getting some really twisty, twisty situations on the legs, but mm-hmm. I find that if I'm sewing maybe a looser dress, um, a flowier skirt, I don't necessarily need to be as strict because the garment itself is more forgiving. I don't know if you found right. that at all. No. Yeah, I do. I agree with that too. Um, especially with like the lighter fabrics, I find that you could, you could get away with that. Um, you know, that's easy enough. Um, I also find that you could even, even though that the pattern might say to put something on the straighter grain, um, you could possibly get away with doing it on the bias. You know, whenever you cut something on the bias, it's supposed to help it flow against this, the body a certain way you know so if you want to try that out I would say give it a try yeah and that really like beautiful liquidy way Mm -hmm. oh my gosh I apologize for that I think there was I don't know what that was like some kind of truck in the background my apologies (laughs) (laughs) um I'm kind of curious to know you talked about that big final project that you had for was it your flat pattern making class yeah so each class has a final um, project at the end of the semester Mm -hmm. um so for example the flat pattern making course we had to sketch three designs and there were certain criteria for each of those designs Mm -hmm. the teacher would select two of them that she wanted you to do or two of them that she liked and you would have to choose one of the two 
and we would have to design the pattern and sew up the garment and do a little fashion show inside the class. That's so fun. Yeah. What did and what were your garments? So the flat pattern making course, we were expected to do just tops. And okay. I did a button up shirt that had like asymmetrical like gathers going through the bodice and sleeves. And um, I made that out of a polyester, lightweight polyester, which probably wasn't a very good idea because that type of fabric is kind of difficult to sew with. Mm-hmm. And I did have a lot of uh drag lines on my sleeves and like for example the side seams pressed open that got docked for that mm-hmm. um that was a great experience and the draping class things got a little bit better we were able <laughs> to design something and of course she picked two of them out we picked one of the two and we had to drape it but this time we had to drape with the fashion fabric and sew it up after we drape it so normally in draping, you tend to use um, unbleached muslin mm-hmm. fabric to drape your patterns. And then from that, you take it down and you transfer those markings onto paper and make a flat pattern off of it. And then from there, mm-hmm. you, you're able to cut out into your fashion fabric. But at the end of the semester, we were, our challenge was to actually drape with the fashion fabric thread trace our markings and then sew it up straight from there cool which that was a really good learning experience and it made me appreciate um uh, pattern makers who have to drape with the fashion fabric like that was a lot of work (laughs) definitely was it harder than using the muslim yes so the thread tracing was what made it really difficult um to transfer to mark that fabric you had to use uh, thread and needle and create the lines that you wanted and then um, that took forever just having to weave that thread onto your dress form that was hard yeah Yeah, that that seems like it would just be like super tedious to make all those stitches right and I didn't know that you there was such a thing called draper's arm fatigue and it (laughs) didn't I didn't know about this until afterwards after I complained how my arms were extremely sore after a class and Mm -hmm. a pattern maker said oh yeah that's called draper's arm fatigue I know that all too well and I'm like why didn't anybody tell me this (laughs) I'm sure you're just using muscles that you you rarely ever use in that capacity exactly you're just having your arms up the whole time yeah and so little things like that and also I've been able to connect with some pattern makers um online too and I have fun talking to them about school and getting their school yeah um and getting their take on their experiences at school and then how they use um their knowledge at work and that's Mm -hmm. interesting too yeah so what are the other classmates that you have in this class that you're in right now um what are kind of their goals with school I know you said that your main priority is you want to learn pattern drafting but what's everyone else there for yeah, so majority, actually, majority of the people who are attending the program are there to obtain like a some sort of fashion degree. So since I'm attending a like a community college, um, the most you could do is get your associates, and they plan on transferring over to a local university um, to mm-hmm. obtain a bachelor's in fashion or something like that. Um, and I noticed since I'm 
I, I'm usually the oldest in the class because I'm 35. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, a lot of the students there come straight from high school. Um, and I love seeing the dynamics that are in the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're so talented and they're so creative and it's so inspiring because I feel like I don't really have that designer mindset um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's why I chose pattern making because, you know, I'm going to be taking a designer sketch and then trying to create a pattern to recreate that look, you know, mm-hmm. and it's fun to see where they, when I talk to them, what they do. And most of them are actually not on Instagram. I'm surprised. Really? Yeah. I was thinking that maybe they're big into the sewing community online, but whenever I talk to them, they don't, they say they don't have a public account where they show all their sewing stuff. So I'm surprised. That's, that's yeah. That's really interesting to me. I always kind of wondered if classes would just be like a collection of people from like the sewing Instagram world, but that's interesting that that's not the case where you're going to school or and maybe then, that's not the case anywhere. Who knows? And then too, I also noticed that how whenever I talk to other pattern makers or even talk to my instructors at school, um, how different they learn, the, how different they um, practice their craft. And I'll mm-hmm. give you an example, um, the annotations on a pattern. Um, whenever I show online exactly how my teacher wants me to annotate the patterns I'll get you know some replies back like oh really that's how you do it we were taught this way and you know so I love having that conversation with people and swapping information but I mean pretty much it's all I think all schools pretty much teach the foundations of pattern making it's just little Mm -hmm. things like annotations and how to present your patterns that are a little bit different yeah individualistic to the the teacher that's teaching the course Mm mm-hmm yeah, well, we've talked a little bit about what your peers are hoping to do with their education. But what I wanted to say for last is kind of talk about what you want to do with the education and tell me a little bit more about kind of what led you to do this and what you hope to do with it after. Yeah, so I, I've i talked a little bit about this, but I am kind of done with the dental field. I, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm retiring that part of it. But I would like to go into some form of teaching or even creating patterns. Um, So my goal is to try out some freelance pattern making and possibly go into making patterns for the sewing community and Mm -hmm. even possibly teaching sewing in some form. That's awesome. um, Utilizing the pattern drafting skills that I learned obtained at school. Um, so I'm still trying to venture out to see what's my strong suit when it comes to that. Yeah. Do you see kind of your career direction after school being mostly digital, like online sewing community kind of business? Yes. Um, and I found out that the, the industry is also going in that route too. I mean, a lot of more people are starting to use CAD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's more like a requirement to know how to use CAD, um, and then I'm also trying to figure, you know, figure out like, okay, how can I, what can I bring to the online sewing community? That's going to be a little bit different. You know, yeah. I'm still trying to, so while I'm trying to learn the basics of it, I'm also trying to figure out, okay, what does the sewing community want from mm-hmm. sewing patterns? And it's really interesting to have that conversation with the sewing community. Yeah. Well, and I hope to one day bring it to them. 
oh, man, like that just, I love talking about this because every person you talk to kind of has a really unique perspective on what they see the sewing community really looking for and needing. But I do right. see, at least in my perspective, I think there's two ends of the spectrum of sewing that currently are not addressed enough. And mm-hmm. I would say the first part is like, super beginner friendly things that are still accurate and set people up for success in sewing um, while still being super approachable so not intimidating but yet super accurate that set people up to have a really good sewing experience and then on the other side I think it can be hard for people that are intermediate sewists to really take their sewing skills to those that next level and really answer a lot of big questions um yeah. Sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> so I, I actually personally experienced that myself. So when I was searching for pattern making co- courses or classes, um, I ran into not finding any at all. And all the classes mm-hmm. that I would run into were like basic sewing classes, you know, um, beginner friendly sewing classes. Um, and then mm-hmm. when I did re- find something that seemed possible for advanced sewing um it was mostly like oh just bring in your garment and i'll help you figure out that one pattern and i'm like Mm -hmm. no i i want to be able to learn on a a consistent schedule of how to you know improve my sewing and um i think my my personal opinion that i think more sewists are wanting to know more than just the basics Um, they want yes. to push push themselves to be a little bit knowledgeable on different ways of how to approach things and sewing or improving their techniques and stuff like that. And then also to fit. I, I get that question a lot is about fit. Mm-hmm. And as a pattern maker, when you create a pattern, you have to figure out, okay, what's not working and fix it. And I think yeah. a lot of people have those same issues when it comes to patterns that they don't know where to start when learning about fit. And hopefully we could um, air out some of those issues. Yeah. Well, I, I think you kind of touched on too that natural evolution that people experience when they start their sewing journeys. People at the beginning, I think most of us can relate, you know, we're just happy that you sewed something. If, if that's a rectangle skirt with an elastic waistband, that's as simple as can be, you know, great. Mm-hmm. It just feels awesome to have made something that you can put on and wear out and, you know, you made it. Right. Um, but as you do that for a couple of years and, you know, your wardrobe starts to fill up with handmade items, I feel like a lot of people start to transition into, okay, I want to slow, sew slower and I want to sew at that next level. Mm-hmm. And people start tackling more challenging projects and then maybe revisiting other projects that they don't in the past, but spending much more attention and care into things like fit and design and really just perfecting that craft. Yeah. I'm, I'm also appreciating all those indie um, pattern companies starting mm-hmm. to venture out a little bit into pushing the envelope when it comes to construction and not being afraid to uh, making a, a pattern a little bit more difficult. Um, because yeah. I think we want to, we want to be able to push ourselves to try out new things and um, be a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I feel like I just got so many questions to ask you. And I know <laughs> I've, we're kind of running near on time, but I do want to ask you a few more. Uh-huh, go ahead. So first one's first. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about 
what class you are most excited for in the future. So the one thing I'm most excited for is grading, grading patterns. Mm -hmm. Now, I say this with caution because if I ever do come out with um, patterns, I would personally not grade my own patterns. I would actually send it off to a grader. I do know how to grade patterns from reading books and being taught online, but I, mm-hmm. I'm not confident in that. And I'm after speaking with the instructor about this and her giving me kind of like a rundown on how it works, it's kind of complicated and it goes into depth. And so I want to be able to, um, if I do come out with patterns, be able to provide people with really good patterns. And I think I don't want to spread myself too thin. So I'm going to go ahead and send that off to a grader. And Cause they're in, in the industry. I don't know if you know this, but there are people who specifically train just to grade patterns. There's a, there's a, there's a job specifically for, um, pattern, you know, they're called pattern graders and that's all they do all day is just grade patterns. That's so, that's so interesting yeah. because from my understanding, my, my very basic understanding, there are multiple approaches to grading. Exactly. Yes. You can, you can do like, I think what it's called even grading where every size between, you know, zero to 30 is kind of spaced evenly along the size chart and that's it. But then you can also do a type of grading that's like proportional to the garment. And I'm definitely not using the right technical terms, but <laughs> yes, yeah, so, it can be, it, sorry, go ahead. So, yeah. And I, um, that's another thing. It's like, okay, what, what do I want to achieve? And I had mm-hmm. a conversation with someone once where um, we talked about this and like having our bodies, the portions of our bodies, like um, what does the community, what is, what does, what, how can we cater these patterns to the community? Not just like mm-hmm. for everybody in the world. Cause you know, the industry, they create these garments um, trying to accommodate the vast majority. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the sewing community, I think we could zero in um, in catering to the sewing community specifically and um, yeah. and be able to teach each other um, and learn how what's the best thing for our sewing community only. And uh, I don't know if that made sense, <laughs> but I just wanted to no, say, like, you know, we have um, people who sew and we want to cater to them you know yeah and make something that the community and the people that are your customers will really appreciate exactly yeah um I also really wanted to ask you if there's anyone listening who's always kind of had that back of the head dream of like oh man like going to sewing school or fashion school would be so cool what what kind of thoughts or advice do you have for someone like that so I definitely get this question a lot where or this reply back where I I really want to do it and I say then just do it um time though I do get people saying that they don't have any courses in their area and I could understand that Mm -hmm. that is um a little frustrating because you know having that in-class experience is great but anything start start from a book start from a textbook there are plenty of textbooks of pattern making online that you could get they are a little pricey but if you could find one that is used um that's Mm -hmm. a great way i know that there's a bunch of online courses available to people that they could take 
if they wanted to. And um, I think also we should start promoting having these classes um, done locally. You know, uh, I'm hoping that once I do finish that I can possibly pass along some little tidbits here and there to my sewing community locally um, yeah. and have that available for something. Because, you know, some people want to, to take up, uh, to learn the basics of pattern making so they could utilize that with their own sewing. And I, they don't, ha- they shouldn't have to take, you know, college courses that's a semester long um, mm-hmm. in order to achieve that. Yeah. Wow. Michelle, I, there's, there's like a million things that I, I could talk about for <laughs> literally ages with you about this. Cause I find it so fascinating and I love just having a window into your world and what you're learning right now. Um, but I know in interest of time, I wanted to put it back to you and ask, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners today that we didn't have a chance to cover yet? I think that first, don't be hard on yourself when it comes to sewing. Um, I think we put a lot of pressure on our sewing and that it has to be perfect and um, not to do that. And the second thing is if you want to do something and you want to learn something, do it. Don't be scared. Um, I'm a mom, a full-time mom, stay-at-home mom. I have two kids and I take these courses in the evenings after my husband comes home from a long day of work. And I really enjoy taking these courses and it's only for a few hours out of the week. And if you want to do it, you just got to do it. Um, don't be scared and you'll learn a lot. I, I want to be able to tell people that you could learn so much more um, if you just, if just go out and seek the knowledge you know, mm-hmm. um, just go for it. Yeah. Don't be scared. No, don't be scared at all. <laughs> and don't be scared to try new things either. And that's another thing for, um, sewing is that if there's something a technique or something that you think is too advanced for you, don't be scared to do it. Just do it. Um, who cares if you make mistakes? That's how we learn is by making mistakes. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing all of this information with me tonight. I've just been just enjoying so thoroughly enjoying our time here today and I know the listeners will be just as stoked to hear everything that you have to say as I've been um do you mind telling people where they can go after this podcast episode to go find out more about you and keep following along with your really awesome journey so yeah so and thank you Rachel for having me on here I really appreciate it and I can't wait to see um the other sewists out there I can't wait to learn more about them um, you could definitely find me on Instagram, Win Michelle, and also on my blog, WinMichelle.com. Yeah, and that's Win Michelle. Uh, can you spell that? Uh, W-I-N-M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Perfect. And we'll, be, we'll tag Michelle on Instagram as well so you guys can find her super easily from there as well. Thank you so much, Michelle, and I hope that you have a really wonderful evening. You too. Thank you so much, Rachel. Have a good night. You night. too. Bye and that's all for today's episode guys thank you so much for listening in it's always a real pleasure to have you here hanging out with me and my guests every single week 
If you're looking to continue on the conversation about this show, can I suggest that you give me a follow on Instagram? It's where we talk all about everything Maker Style Podcast. You can find me at maker.style. I can't wait for next week's episode and I hope that you tune in. Remember that you can subscribe to podcasts totally for free and you'll get a notification and an automatic download whenever next week's episode is posted. You can do this wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, you name it. So I'd seriously recommend it. Have a great week, guys. See you next.